0: Welcome to the Resilient Campus podcast, amplifying the voices of college inclusion innovators. I'm your host, Sabi Labor, founder and CEO of Resilient Campus. Join me each week as I interview professionals on the front lines of campus and community movement building. For more information, please visit resilientcampus.com forward slash podcast. Hello there and welcome back. I am excited to kick off season three and uh, with this episode, which I call the Better Late Than Never episode, <laughs> um, because it was recorded nine months ago, uh, I wanted to share this discussion with you of these really amazing fiercely brilliant individuals uh, who are part of a multi-day convening that took place in the beautiful desert of Tucson, Arizona. And this convening was a think tank of sorts um, of uh, with a group called the Transforming Higher Education Collaborative. And during this multi-day convening, we centered the work of Adrienne Marie Brown in her essential book, Emergent Strategy, which has been noted as an essential read by many folks that have um, been guests on this podcast. So I really highly suggest that you read that. Um, If you have some time and energy, that's a great read. Um, And the questions that we centered for this multi-day convening discussion, um, the first one was, what does it mean for us to convene within and across institutional hierarchies and geographies? Um, And so I think it's important to center the mission of the Transforming Higher Education Collaborative, being that their goal is to engage our communities to build more equitable spaces knowledge bases, research, and policy recommendations in higher education that really centers trans knowledge and trans experience. Uh, We discuss a lot of different topics, even in this first part of the episode and part of the discussion related to time travel, the multiverse. Um, and so on. So uh, I think you're going to be um, really humbled by the conversation. And um, I think a lot of light bulbs are going to go off, deep connections made. So I'm excited for you to uh, kind of be a fly on the wall for this uh, discussion. So enjoy part one of this um, recorded discussion that happened at this convening um, with these amazing folks. And if you want to read their bios and a little bit more about them, um, please go to the episode webpage at resilientcampus.com forward um and you can get an idea of who these folks are where they're coming from um at this point of time in their journey and uh, please look forward to episode uh, part two and three um to be released in the coming weeks and with that i will get out of your way and let you enjoy the episode We're convening with the Transforming Higher Education Collective in sizzling hot Tucson, Arizona. Before we get started, I wanted to let these fierce humans introduce themselves. I'm surrounded by eight um, very beautifully handsome and handsomely beautiful individuals, and I will let them kick off by telling us a little bit about who they are.
1: Hi, Zena Glazo. Uh, She/her pronouns. Um, I teach at the University of Arizona and um, am a white trans femme and everyone's favorite Jewish mom. <laughs> <laughs> My
2: name is Melvin Whitehead. My pronouns are he him his, and I am a PhD candidate studying student affairs at an institution in the Southeast. <laughs> um, I identify
3: as black, queer, and trans. My name is Alex Lang. I use they, them pronouns. I am one of the handsomely beautiful ones at the table. <laughs> um, that order of the phrasing, you know. I'm currently entering my third year of doctoral studies at the University of Iowa in the Higher Ed and Student Affairs program. Identifies trans-fem, non-binary, white, multiracial. Yeah. I am S.
4: Simmons. (laughs) Uh, Pronouns.
3: He, him, his, they, them,
4: theirs. Uh, Black, queer, trans, beautifully handsome educator at a university in the Midwest.
5: I feel like this might confuse some folks, um, because my name is Cy Sims, uh, not to be confused with S. Simmons. Um, I use they, them, theirs pronouns. I am a incoming doctoral student at the University of Arizona in their higher education program. I identify as a black, transgender, queer, afrofuturist. Um, I'm also a black nerd. Uh, and I am prettily and beautifully handsome and I made up my own word yes I did
6: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hi everyone, I'm D.L. Stewart Um, pronouns they them and he him Um, I'm feeling really connected to my identity as a parent today and I am also black queer trans disabled and just trying to make make a difference. Hi. I'm Alden. I use they, them
7: pronouns. I am a doctoral candidate, and I am queer and fat and disabled,
8: and I think that's that. Hi, everyone. Um, My name is TJ Jurian. I use he, him, his pronouns. I'm currently a faculty member somewhere. Um, (laughs) Not sure how long that journey is going to last, but we'll see and I um, identify as a um, Middle Eastern queer, uh, immigrant, trans, masculine person.
0: And I'm Sabi Labor. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and they, them, and theirs. Um, I'm a Hapa individual um, of Hawaiian, Filipino, and Irish descent, and moderately abled. Definitely, that's on my mind today. And a transplant from the desert so I'm thinking about my time in the desert um, as a salient experience I'm also a gender non-conforming individual and a partner to an individual for eight years and that feels surprising and great and the salient for me uh, today as well so thanks everybody for sharing a little bit about yourselves as we get started um, so folks that are listening in, uh, we actually have three questions that are tacked up around the room or on the table. And we've been convening around um, Adrian Marie Brown's book and uh, conceptualization uh, that are within uh, emergent strategy. And we have three questions that we um, kind of co-created here um, to start, um, or I I should say, continue convening around these ideas of uh, collective um, and emergence um, and and many other ideas as we move forward um, to creating action and strategic plans and moving towards what tomorrow will look like together. The first question that we wanted to uh, convene around was this idea of us actually being here in Tucson, Arizona, us being together in one place at one time and at this historic and sociopolitical time. And so the question that we're discussing um, at, at the top of this episode is, what does it mean for us to convene across and within institutional hierarchies and geographies? I have an extended answer.
4: This is S, but the first thing that came up for me is about time so like being coming from the midwest to arizona literally like going back in time back in time zones and as we've been here talking about time as a construct and sort of challenging pushing time away i'm also reading octavia butler's kindred so like thinking about time travel so i don't know that's just like what's coming up for me right now is like i feel like i'm traveling through time in a nonlinear way since being
8: here with folks. It's interesting that you bring up time as, and uh, this is TJ, because whenever I think about where I currently live, um, I describe it as going back into the 90s um, when it comes to uh, gender, sexuality, race, constructs, and how those sort of play out uh, around me. Um, So I think think I'm always time traveling. Whenever I leave where I, uh, where I live and go to either conferences or gatherings or around friends or, or what have you, I feel like I'm coming back into, the, going back to the future like I'm Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that totally kind of shifted a little bit of what I was thinking of what this was for me. Z, I think this might come up in some of the later
1: questions, but I, in a lot of respects, I think that to be trans is to be a time traveler or to always be in multiple times. Mm -hmm. There are so many different ways that trans people are always thought of as either in the future, like um, I I often hear oh well you're, the way that you're thinking or what you're doing is just like ahead of the game and that's why proposals don't get accepted or like grants don't get funded, things like that but then also there's certain negative visions about trans people in the future as well, um, which mean that we don't exist in the future Um, so I think that there's such a like you both talking about time because there seems like there's such a strong element of time and what that means for being trans uh this alden i was also thinking about time but very differently i feel
7: very slow here with the group like everything has been not rushed and that's not generally how lots of us get to live necessarily like out in the world and so it feels special to go slow together to just think and talk and, like, not be in a hurry, but also, like, it feels out of time, like we've stepped out of the rest of the world, to me.
6: This is Yale. Um, I think about this question, initially I was thinking about it from a connectivity relational standpoint, which I'll get to in a second, but I want to pick up on this theme about Time, and um, it makes me think about um, the multiverse. So, for um, for our nerds um, who are listening and around the room, the Spider Verse, um, and the ways that these multiple different iterations, right, of Spider Man come together in a single space, um, bringing with them knowledge, awareness, context, right? That that always travels with us. And so, you know, I think about I'm currently living in the Mountain West. I've been moving progressively further west um, from my upbringing in New York City. And so, you know, I'm a displaced New Yorker, um, part of the New York diasporic community. <laughs> um, and that always travels with me, right, um, is, is a part of me. And so how my transness shows up in the Mountain West comes with me here and, and all of that comes together for us. And as you know happened in that particular movie you know it was the combined strengths and and capacities right and possibilities that were made real in you know the coming together of those those multiverses um that i think is what it means for us to do this here um which actually relates to what i initially thought of which adrian marie Brown in Emergent Strategy talks um, at several points, make this reference to critical connections being more important than critical mass. And I think for very few of us are in places geographically where we are part of a critical mass of transness. But being able to connect critically um, those critical connections deep connections with other trans people within and across time and space and boundary we have existed together virtually and so i think about um z's scholarship on the importance of virtual kinship networks um, that those have allowed us to create deep and, and binding webs of relationality that make this physical coming together um even more powerful it's that like we're coming together and creating Captain Transplanet? Yeah. <laughs> this is Um,
5: Which is so interesting that you say that because I, I was thinking about like what does it mean for us to kind of all like lock in together? And we've talked about um, what does it like really mean to be here? And for me, I was thinking about earlier. I haven't thought about how to be trans in this space.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: Like I haven't thought about what does it mean to be a trans person? How to navigate? Like I just get to be. And I think sometimes. Uh, like I've spent so much time outside of this particular space thinking about okay so how is my transness going to show up here or how is my transness and my blackness going to show up here how is, how is my body going to be read in this space particularly as a transgender queer person where my gender is always being read wrong unless you know that I'm trans and see me and in this space I was thinking I was like I haven't actually had to think about that which is one of the reasons why I love being around other trans people is when I can get to that point where that's not the thing that's in the front of my brain um, it's the thing that just I know other people or I'm making the assumption that other people are also kind of getting to see each other for who and how we are as opposed to what our salient identities are or like what it means to name our transness uh, in particular spaces and that act of having to out yourself to be seen right I haven't had to do that in this way um and I think about what does it mean to have those critical connections and something that I know I'm feeling is is that like I'm connected enough to these people in this place that I don't have to examine it in big ways and i can just show up and be somebody else or entertain other thoughts like there's space in my brain to really think about you know the deep work that we've been kind of trying to talk about for these last couple of days is like what are we trying to do what does it mean to transform higher education and i can actually entertain that question because i'm not trying to figure out how to have a gender right and i think for me that's been so life-giving in some ways i don't want to
7: repeat what you said but i want to say that i I wrote it down <laughs> I haven't felt the need to mention my transness I didn't introduce myself that way and like yeah I can think about other things because I don't have to can, like figure out how I show up here because that's not a thing and you don't ever get to do that so I just would like to point out that even though we didn't say
1: it out loud at the same time we still thought it so this is Z again um as I moved back to Tucson and I'm coming up on my year anniversary of being back, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be in the shadow of a border. Um, the, so for folks that aren't familiar with where Tucson is, we're about an hour away from the U.S.-Mexico border, um, and so there's a particular salience to the border that is really palpable here, um, and so I've been thinking a lot about like, well, what does that mean for my work, what does that mean for the students and the faculty and the staff that I engage in, and I think that um, this comes up in this question around geographies and hierarchies and thinking about what Cyan Alden are sharing, there's a, um, I think there's a press on the way that we've become institutionalized that we can't or shouldn't share across borders and across institutions. That you know, there's a a way that we are kind of separated from each other and and told or taught to think individually. And so it's exciting to use the gift of our transness to think across borders and think about how we can redistribute and how we can truly do the work of, and I know I've been talking about this the, the last day or so, but truly do the work of of m- mutual aid, which I think really syncs up well with what, what Brown is talking
6: about in emergent strategy. Um, mm-hmm. This is um, DL again, just to pick up on what Z is saying. It's, it's our insistence upon crossing institutional boundaries and borders is itself an act of resistance to the individualism of the academy mm-hmm. um, and how and of the societies that we live in that we are supposed to solely function independently individually. So this is Alex, and I think that part of a the theme that I'm hearing
3: that reverberates a lot with me is sort of this the meaningfulness of the spaces and it's unspoken qualities so that one of the more corporal examples i can think of was the first night we convened we all watched pose together and for those listening who watch pose this was angelica ross's week and i'm not going to say more than that in case you haven't seen the episode and we were all i think pretty gutted by what happened in the episode and after it concluded there was a silence in the room but I don't think there was a silence because there was a discomfort of what happened I think there was a silence because there was a shared understanding of pain that I didn't have to explain to anyone in the moment um, because of where I am I don't really do anything with trans people in Iowa Iowa City specifically and I, I was texting a friend that night about like how I, that the episode I was just like crying at points in and I had to Explain to him why I was so gutted, and like why I doubt he, as a cis person, would have felt as gutted as I did, right? And like that, there was no necessity of that in this space, which I think is speaks to its power in a really amazing way.
0: Yeah, this is Sabby. I think one of the things I realized being in the space is that I noticed that I didn't have to have my armor up in terms of trust. I didn't feel a need to have people earn the trust if that makes sense but it was just sort of assumed trust is given until violated Uh, you know because my assumption was coming into a space like the one that's being cultivated over time is such that i didn't feel like i needed to come ready with anything and you know in terms of being over prepared and feeling that sense of dissonance from what i have been living each day in the institution that i'm currently working at is the sense that my armor is up and i'm constantly feeling these pierces in that armor on a daily basis and being reminded that yeah you need it um in this work and not really making a conscious decision that when i arrived here it was like yep just gonna trust but just feeling very comfortable um just to sort of be in my own skin um in my socially awkward self (laughs) while i've been here and noticing that that gives me a lot to think about because convening with with you all Reminds me of how I'm sort of like holding tight in my body every day in this institution and doing this doing this work. And so it's given me a lot to think about and a lot to take back. Um, so I feel like I'm like actively kind of looking in, but also watching myself and my own coping mechanisms that are with me each day that I didn't notice until I retreated. But being away from the daily, you know, the sense of like being away from the time, the chronological time, the pace has felt nice but it's also it felt it feels like a safe place for me to be able to just kind of be and that's been really great so it just it feels healing for me
7: this is Alden. i don't know if it's just in the room and if everyone's feeling it but literally everything that has been said i wrote down before we started so i've been able to be quiet here i've been able to be less defensive here um and so the the concept that we're having a shared experience that we're not even naming necessarily, but you, like, you can feel it in the quiet or the less defensiveness or, you know, but not needing to name transness also feels really special. Um, that's what I think about, what does it mean for us to be here, so that it's doing work that we may not name.
4: I'm also sitting in the emotion that we've experienced here. I, I think in the book there's a, a line about feeling, I can't find it right now. You feelings. Yeah. I've learned that feelings matter that feeling is a legitimate way of knowing page 38 <laughs> um, and so like we have experienced full ranges of emotion being here and I know that often when I'm at my institution I feel like I, I have a very restrictive range that I should in quotes sort of experience and this the way that I sort of hold my body in order to only experience those emotions but then leaving the institution and having that right spill out on my wife or spill out on other folks um and i've felt like i could do i've done a lot of laughing here which has felt really good and i've felt some deep sadness and some uncertainty and some curiosity you know just like all of it and that's and never once like wanted to apologize or felt the need to apologize for that whereas you know there's a lot of apology apologizing that happens when you feel something. I'm sorry, I you know, um and I haven't haven't felt the need to apologize being here either. And so that's felt really nice traveling through time with y'all.
2: This is Melvin. Um there's a a type of magic that feels um present here and I can't really describe it any other way other than it feels magical because I feel like for me kinda of, time has just sort of stopped for a bit and mm-hmm. I keep keep track of you know. Keep losing track of the days, um, and there's all of this. You know, every time we talk, you know, whether it's over a meal or whatever, there are all these um, ideas that pop up. It's kind of like magic how that happens, the synergy between us, and and I think that yeah, there's there's just some magic here that I I was telling uh, T J earlier uh, today. You know, I was already sad about our last day together, and he reminded me I'm living in the moment right now. <laughs> thinking about sadness i was like you know what i'm gonna try to enjoy the magic and
1: not think about the sadness that's going to come with leaving tomorrow z i'm just sitting here thinking about um all of us starting to build an answer to a question that seemed unimaginable to me before this conversation which is what could you envision if non-trans people didn't make you have to think about gender all the time what could be possible if you weren't forced by non-trans people to have to think about it i mean it's and, and, and it's different than like not thinking about it because i think you know i like thinking about my gender <laughs> i like thinking about gender period um but it, but i think but i think the reality of not having to be forced to do it in particular ways by non-trans people or by non-trans institutions creates a certain space that it sounds like and it feels like we're moving into you know, this, this ability to imagine and to exist and to just move in particular ways. I've been, been thinking a lot about like my bodily comportment over the last couple of days, um, especially yesterday, where I don't think we hardly interacted with any non-queer, <laughs> non-trans folks. Maybe some of our servers when we went out to restaurants or things, but by and large... That was a queer world, and I like I can feel it in my body.
6: I always think about um, this is DL again, Navina Cooper's um, book, Everyday Utopias, um, and sort of like the micro spaces, um, and it also connects to Adrian Marie Brown's discussion of the small. Um, y'all know what it is. Small is all. Small, small is all. Yes. And the capacity of of the importance of being able to, in this, you know, Sean Crawley, um, think otherwise and be and and envision the otherwise, and that's what um, I think of here. What Z was was just sharing, and others, what we've all been talking about, you know. And so, um, part of it, you know, one of the things that I've been wrestling with, and and. Not always successful, I don't know what successful wrestling is but I've been wrestling and struggling with um, over the last couple of weeks in most intensely over the last couple of weeks is you know going to the bathroom, right um, and public because you know that's a trance thing. Um, <laughs> be obsessed over <laughs> where to go use the bathroom. And in connection to that, you know, well, am I going to be um, I was in Toronto last week with my son and, you know, for some reason, when I'm in Canada, this is now the second time I've been in Toronto in the last six months, um, when I'm up there, I'm most often recognized, I'm surred, I'm, you know, Mr. A man, dude, whatever. Most of the time, my experience in the United States is the exact opposite of that. And so, you know, considering, like, okay, do I pass enough? to go to the men's room in this space or do I not and, and do I just go to the women's room because I'm not sure if I'm going to pass enough to go to the men's room and we were out at breakfast this morning and I got up to go use the restroom. I didn't announce this and telling this so y'all are hearing this for the first time along with I don't know a thousand, five thousand people um, but I went to the men's room. And I think in many ways that was possible this group and us being together created that possibility, you know, which is one of the um, elements and principles of, the principle of an Emergent Strategies, creating possibilities, right? And so creating possibilities for folks to be able to show up in their truth and to just, and to normalize that as true, you know, um, in ways that I think can be really compelling and can be individually liberating as, as much as it is communally, collectively
8: liberating. Um, this is TJ. I'd like to pick up off of what you were saying. I don't, I don't remember who you um, um, uh, were talking about when you said uh, be or uh, do otherwise. Ashawn Crawley. Okay. Um, so I always think about how uh, or whether transness uh, allows for some of us to be and do otherwise more naturally. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's been sort of like a, a thread in some of the writings I've been wanting to do and I uh, have done in the past. But um, I was thinking about the hierarchies piece of, of the question and some of the conversations we were having yesterday. Um, while we didn't have to name certain things uh, around gender and such, uh, we had to name other things. And one of them was around hierarchies. Uh, yeah. Talking about how um, there's like this superimposed uh, expectation from our institutional socializations that the ones with PhDs are leading the conversation and uh, the ones that don't have their PhDs yet uh, follow, right? There's lanes. Um, and yeah, so that, that, that hierarchy piece uh, was present when we first got here, right? Because we're coming in into it from, those, uh, from these other uh, locations, um, but we were able to name it quickly enough and I feel like it fairly dis- it's fairly dissolved at this point. I don't know that we've been acting uh, and behaving in that way since we named it and said it. And we're like, okay, cool, let's move on from it. Um, and I'm wondering if that's going in conjunction with the fact that our transness is a little bit more liberated in this space. So we're able to then transcend other uh, lines as well a little bit more easily.
2: Yes. They'll have to wait for the book, though, to read about trans consciousness.
8: <laughs> hey, that was uh s simmons book forthcoming
0: thanks so much for tuning in head on over to itunes soundcloud or stitcher to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on a single episode